Hey, um, I don't know about you, but I'm a I'm a routine type person. I love a routine. Yeah, I got some people routine. How many people are like you? You get in a routine, and nobody needs to mess up your routine. How many are like go? Just go with it. Just go with it. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I'm I'm kind of both. It just depends on what it has to do with. But I started my routine when I was a kid. When I was really, 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 really young, and it started with Saturday morning cartoons. Now, what was crazy is Monday through Friday, you can't get out of bed, right? Because you got to go to school. And Sunday, you couldn't get out of bed because you got to go to church. But Saturday, Saturday morning cartoons, <laughs> like you just get right, like you just spring up. And so um, this is what I did. On Saturday, I started out with the Smurfs. Now, some of you don't know the Smurfs, and you're going to have to Google the Smurfs. And I don't know if there's anything bad about the Smurfs online, but I, but I got into the Smurfs before Christians got involved, because Christians have a way of messing up everything. And, um, and, then, and then they came out and said the Smurfs were satanic and communist and did magic. And I'm like, well, there's magic in the Bible, so you're going to throw that out too. Anyway, so, so I, I watched Smurfs. Second, I watched Bugs Bunny, because that's, he, he's still kind of like my favorite. Um, Mickey's my all-time favorite, but like, I love Bugs Bunny. But then, last but not least, um, I, would, I would finish my Saturday morning not with cartoons, but with who said it? Who said it? Wrestling. Wrestling. Not wrestling. Wrestling. I, I loved it. I would get, I mean, I would get into it. In fact, in fact, some of you will remember this. Now you're going to date yourself. But before we had the, the Bilo Center or the Bon Secours, well, by the way, if the Bon Secours Wellness Arena, it's, t- it's technically the BS Arena. I, I just think about stuff like that. I don't know if you think about that. Um, but but before that was there, it was the Greenville Memorial Auditorium. And on Monday night, they had championship wrestling. You get a ringside seat for 10 bucks, baby, and you just go sit and the wrestlers would spit on you. Y'all are in the spit zone right here, so y'all need to be careful. Um, but it was amazing, and I used to love wrestling, and I grew up watching it and loving it. And some of these people became my heroes. In fact, wrestling got so big that even if you don't know about wrestling, you know the wrestlers. And so I'm going to put some pictures of some people up here. And if you know them, you can just say them out loud. Or if you're online, in fact, if you're online, I go through all the Facebook comments. Don't type these in because I don't have time to respond to all of them today. Just, um, I, I, I'm, I hear you. I'm with you. Love you. Mean it. All right, here we go. You just tell me who these people are. Here we go. Woo! Ric Flair's been wrestling for 478 years. I mean, seriously. <laughs> Ric Flair started wrestling when God was a baby. He's been around a long time. But he, like, this is, like, even if you don't know wrestling, you know Ric Flair. You also know a guy named Hulk Hogan, right? He's the first guy that got in and, like, like tear his shirt off and all that good stuff. So I, I guess that's awesome if you built like that. You probably should. I mean, and then one of my favorite of all times, one of my favorite of all times is The Rock. Yeah, listen, he's so ugly, isn't he? I mean, I mean, just, hey, I'm going to tell y'all, if I look like that, I would never wear a shirt anywhere, anywhere. I just, I would just walk into Barbaritos going, hey, what's up, y'all? Anyway, but he, and he's going on to be a, an, an actor and, and has a pretty successful career. And I used to love watching wrestling, but my favorite, my favorite, my favorite wasn't the individual wrestlers. It was the tag teams. I used to love the tag teams. You know what tag team is, right? Like one person's in the ring, the other person's outside the ring. And then if you're getting really beat up, you just tag your partner and your partner comes in and does some stuff. And there's some, 
famous tag teams, but the two most famous tag teams, and I rank these, number two and number one, the second most famous tag team of all time. This is old school. If you know who it is, you need to let me know. Rock and Roll Express. We got some old people up in the house today. This is great. This is, that, that really was his hair. Um, but this is the Rock and Roll Express, and man, I used to love um, watching them fight. But the greatest tag team of all time, the greatest, it's not even close. Who said it? The Road Warriors. Animal and Hawk. Now, I know some of you are like, I don't understand anything you're talking about this morning. But no, these guys, these guys were like famous in, in wrestling world. And, and the tag team concept was real simple. It was, and it happened. It didn't matter what tag team was fighting. There was always one guy in the ring getting the absolute shaduki beat out of him, right? And sh- by the way, that's a Christian cuss word. You can make up your own cuss words as long as you don't actually say a cuss word. So shaduki is not a cuss word, and I just made that up. You're welcome. So there, he's, getting, he's getting beat up, and he's getting, like, he gets over in the opponent's corner, and they're, like, double-teaming him, beating him up, and he's trying to make the tag, and everybody in the arena is screaming and screaming. He's trying to make the tag because everybody knows if he can just make the tag, he can just make the tag. His partner's getting in and whipping everybody's rear end. So he's trying, he's trying, and finally he makes the tag. The partner jumps in, beats up this bad guy, beats up the other bad guy, beats up the managers, just goes crazy and cleans house. And all the guy getting beat up had to do was make the tag. Now, I know some of you are like, this is great, Perry. I love your church and everything that's going on, but I came here to learn about Jesus, you talked to me about Ric Flair and the Road Warriors. Well, it, it actually has a connection because there's some people here today in the middle of a battle you're not supposed to fight. And you feel like you're getting completely worn out by the enemy, the other side. And before you leave today, I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to offer you an opportunity, and my prayer is that if you feel like you're in the ring and you're getting beat down and worn out, that you'll simply make the tag and let Jesus step in and fight in your place. So with that in mind, with that in mind, we're continuing our series called Dead Man Walking, and we're going to kind of review a little bit, and then we're going to kind of jump into today. The, the, the whole story started out a couple weeks ago with a guy named Lazarus, and Jesus finds out that Lazarus is in what condition? What condition was he in? He was sick, right? John tells us three times in the first three verses of John that Lazarus was sick, Lazarus was sick, Lazarus was sick, and Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death, and he sat down, didn't move. He said, in fact, it's for the glory of God, and he didn't do anything, and he just kind of hung out, and then last week, we talked about how Jesus finally said, all right, let's go and see Lazarus. Let's kind of go. And remember, the disciples didn't want to go because in Judea, they threw rocks at Jesus. And, and if they threw rocks at Jesus and they missed Jesus, then they would hit the disciples. And we talked about how sometimes even when we know the right thing to do, sometimes even when we know the next step we should take, it's difficult to take it. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means that you're a human. And we, and we blew up the myth that the closer we are to Jesus, the easier it is to follow him because the disciples were close, but they still had a difficult time taking that next step. Well, today we're going to pick up the story. And today is going to be super interesting when we talk about making the tag because it starts out 
with a verse. You can't even make this up. This is how you know the Bible's real, because you can't make this stuff up. Here we go. John chapter 11, verse 17 says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Now, I've been late a time or two, but this, he didn't even make it to the funeral. He didn't even get to get casseroles. This is probably southern Israel. You know, in the south, when somebody dies, everybody brings food to your house, and they give you a heart attack, and you die too. That's how, that's how we roll. This is late. Now, there's two types of people. There's on-time people, and there's late people. And when I say on-time, there's people in this room right here, and they're watching online, and, and you're kind of like me. If you're, if you're 15 minutes early, you're still late. I'm obsessive about being on time. If I say I'm going to be there at 11, I'm there at 10.50, and I'll just sit in the parking lot and just, you know, play on my phone or whatever. I'm, I've got to be on time. I'm obsessed with being on time. If you're respectful, if you love God, you're going to be on time. Anybody with me on this? You're like always on time? All right. And then there's the other people. And you are late, and you always have an excuse. It's traffic. It's the kids. It's the dog. You don't, even have, you don't even have a freaking dog, but it's the dog, right? It's, I've got a friend, literally, he's never been on time in his life, and he'll call you when he's supposed to be there, and like, I'm five minutes away. He's in Zimbabwe. He's like, I'm five minutes away. You're like, what the heck? You're always late. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. You know why? Because you don't even know. You're so late, you're clueless. So if you're sitting next to somebody who's always late, raise your hand. Kind of point to them a little bit. Yeah, yeah, creating conflict right here. Second chance. There you go. Now, there's nothing wrong with being late or whatever, but listen, Jesus, it's not like there was like a camel jam on the, on the way to Bethany, right? And he's like, oh, come on, man. Like, it's not like that's going on. I don't know where that came from. I didn't say that last service. It's crazy. <laughs> he was four days late. Now, I just want to ask a question, and I know, it, and I just want you to be honest. I just want you to be honest. If you're Mary and Martha who sent word to Jesus and he shows up four days late after the funeral has already taken place, does it seem like he cares? Yes or no? No. No, because Jesus, if you cared, you would have you would have came right when I called you. Jesus, if you cared, in fact, you could have just, you didn't even have to come here. You could have spoken a word because there's evidence in the gospels where Jesus just spoke a word. And people were healed. But, but Jesus, not only did you not show up, you showed up four days late. Now, it's real interesting, the whole four-day thing, because in Jewish culture, they believe that the spirit left the body on the third day. So four days means there's no hope at all. And so when there's no hope and everyone is devastated and people are in pieces, Jesus shows up. And the reason that matters is because I would be willing to bet there's some people here today and you're going through some stuff. You're dealing with some issues and you've asked God to help. You've asked Jesus to show up and he hasn't shown up or he hasn't done what you asked him to do and you're starting to feel like maybe he doesn't care. I get it. I get it. 
I say this all the time. I'm going to push you on it again. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you're a human. People wrestle with this stuff. So Jesus shows up and he's four days late. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people who had come to console Mary and Martha, they came to console Mary and Martha in their loss. Watch this. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Now, there's different types of people. There's different types of people. We have different types of preferences. Like, how many are morning people? You're a morning person. You're morning. You wake up, you're like, hey. How many of you are night owls? Night owls, and you hate morning people, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone's like, hey. You're like, anyway, that's, I'm a, I'm a morning. How many people, oh, th- this is always interesting. How many people are sectional, let, let me explain, sectional eaters, and you go from worst to first? You get uh, sectional eaters. Sectional eaters, sectional eaters, you just eat one thing at a time, you eat one thing. Okay, how many just eat it all at once? Yeah, y'all are the worst people in the world. I mean, I like, 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 no, you got you got to experience, you got to save the best for last, right? But we all have different preferences. We all have things that we like. We all have things that we don't like. And we all deal with pain differently. Every single person in this room knows what it's like to hurt. Not just physically, but we know what it's like to hurt spiritually. And one of the worst things in the world is when we get over our pain and somebody we're close to, they're not over their pain, and we get mad at them for being in pain. But pain is a process. And getting through the process of pain looks different for every single one of us. Which is, while I go back to this story, Martha hears that Jesus is there, and she goes to him. But Mary stays at home. Now, on the surface, on the surface, it looks like Martha's the good guy and Mary's the bad guy. But that's not true. In fact, in two or three weeks, we'll talk about something that Mary did that actually was an act of worship that we still talk about 2,000 years later. It was Mary who performed the act of worship, not Martha. But, you know, in, in this story, Martha had to get in the presence of Jesus. And it's not for the reason that we think, not for the reason we think, but Mary, she was like, I'm just not ready. And for those, and I don't know who I'm talking to today, but for those who know what your next step is, you know the next step you need to take, but you've really been wrestling with I'm just not ready. I get it. It doesn't mean you're bad. It means you're human. Ask Jesus to continue to prepare you to take that next step. And in his time, in his time, he will because he always comes through. So so Martha, Martha goes to see, I mean, yeah, Jesus and Mary stays in the house. And everybody's like, oh, Martha must have just loved God. No, 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 no. Look what Martha does. This is real interesting. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. She laid the smack down. It was a wrestling. It was a refer. I see this. Never mind. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. This was kind of like, 
I can't believe you did that. And then she caught herself and she was like, but I still think you're cool. It's like in the South. It's like, oh my God, she's so ugly. Bless her heart. Like, like that, that kind of covers it up, right? He's so stupid, bless his heart. So that's what's going on here. Now, here's what I love. Here's what I love. Martha goes to Jesus and she's honest. Like she's not just blowing smoke. She is like legit. She didn't say, Jesus, I will praise you in this storm. Uh, listen, that's a, I heard the song the other day. That's a great song. I'll praise you in this storm. You know what I know about people that said, I'll praise you in this storm? They're not in a storm. Because if you're out in the middle of a field and a storm, there's lightning and there's hail, and like H-A-I-L, that's the kind of hail I was talking about. Don't Anyway, H-A-I-L, and there's thunder and rain's falling. Nobody stops and goes, you know, I just feel like this is a very appropriate time to just worship Jesus. No, no, no. The time for you to get your butt in the house because there's a storm. I wish I could praise him in the storm. I wish I could. But not even... Not even the disciples could praise him in the storm. Remember in Matthew chapter 14, when the storm was going on and the boat was rocking and it looked like they were about to sink, were the disciples going, here comes Jesus. Jesus, come. We just love you, Jesus. No, 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 no. The disciples, there was Shadooki all over that boat too, right? I mean, they are messing their pants. It is insane. So I'm all about praise him in this storm, but usually people that say praise him in this storm, they're not in the storm you're in because if they were in the storm that you were in, if they were in the fight that you were in, if they had gone through the hell that you've gone through, they wouldn't be talking about praise him in the storm. The reason I think we see a miracle is because Martha was honest enough with Jesus. She didn't show up with some pithy Christian phrase and try to butter his bread. She said, you know what, Jesus, I'm upset. And if you had been here my brother would not have died. She got real. She got vulnerable. And I think that's ultimately the foundation for a miracle. When we stop playing games, we stop playing games with God and say, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. If you haven't, if you haven't got to that point, I'm talking about screaming. I'm talking about crying. I'm talking about throwing some fist just in the air. Sometimes it takes that. For us to get real with God. That's what Martha did. But then she, she caught herself. I think she paused. I can't prove it, but I think she did. And she said, you didn't do what I asked you to do, but, but I still think, I still think you're, you're cool. I think, I think you're, you're awesome. And then Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Now, here, here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Most of us, I, w- I would say probably most of us, know what's going to happen in the story. Like, and I hope I don't ruin this for you, but Lazarus gets you know, called back from the dead. He, right, you know, I just told you the ending, right? But Martha hadn't read John 11 yet because John hadn't written it yet. And so when, when, when Jesus tells her, your brother will rise again, that is an unbelievable declaration because in Martha's mind, that was impossible. There was no way that was going to happen. And I feel like there's somebody in this room today that you're staring down a situation and you feel like that situation is impossible. But anytime we think that something is impossible, we need to remember that we serve a God that brings dead things back to life. 
And Jesus went from the tomb. He went from the cross to the tomb, and he lives again today. And if you're a Christ follower, the same spirit that lives in Jesus, that brought him from the dead, lives in you and lives in me. And in Christ, nothing is impossible, period. So he makes a promise. He makes a promise. And, and Martha doesn't get it. She, but she's trying to believe, and she's trying to kind of get involved in the conversation. And she said, yeah, 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 I know, I know. He will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. She didn't understand the miracle that Jesus was about to do. This is one of the reasons I tell people, the, the, reason, I would, the reason I would ask you to consider giving your life to Christ or taking that next step, whatever that next step is, is because his ways really are higher, than, better than our ways. And his thoughts really are higher than our thoughts. And he wants to do things in our lives that we think are impossible, but in his hands, they're just normal. <laughs> it goes on. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? This is, this is a case of not recognizing somebody. Have you ever been in a situation and talked to somebody you didn't know who they were? Uh, let me ask this question. Who, who was your very first celebrity crush? Think back, think back, think back. Some of y'all think back too far. Who was your first celebrity crush? Anybody want to share? Oh, whoa, 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 who, who, what? Magnum P.I., Tom Selleck. Anybody Magnum P.I.? Anybody? Yeah, he had that little chest hair thing going on, right? Like mustache. I mean, like hadn't shaved in 48 years. Yeah, Magna P.I. Who else? Sh who? Sean Cassidy. No idea who that is. Who is that? Huh? The Do Ron Ryan. I am. Michelle, I'm so sorry. I don't know who we're talking about. But every, that, that, did anybody know who she's talking about, Sean Cassidy? Obviously, I'm in the minority. So, okay, somebody over here, celebrity crush? Who? Annette Fudicelli. I have, she's probably hanging out with her guy because I have no idea. <laughs> Somebody in the last service said Farrah Fawcett. And I was like, woo, Farrah Fawcett. Any guy Farrah Fawcett, remember that? Yeah, she was one of Charlie's angels. I wanted her to be one of Perry's angels. I just... <laughs> Ed, we need to edit that part out. Of, I, I didn't, oh, dear God. Um, my, first, my first celebrity crush, my first celebrity crush was um, Linda Carter. She played Wonder Woman. Like, and I was, I was like, man, she's beautiful. Now, I, I, I didn't know why I had a crush. I just had a crush on her because I was like eight years old. I was like eight-year-old. I mean, just, but I was like, oh, Wonder Woman. I just watched Wonder Woman. Like, she's a great hero. I'm like, no, she's hot. Like, like, and she's got the magic lasso. And I'm like, no, nah, if a woman dresses in a bathing suit like that, I'll tell her the truth on that. I, I, I just, like, that's how I thought as an eight-year-old. That's how most men think anyway. Anyway, so I, I loved her. And so was it, 
two or three years ago when Wonder Woman came out, again, like with the movie, like DC came out with a movie, and I, I remember when I heard about it, I was like, ah, they're just not going to find anybody like, Wonder, they're not going to find anybody like Linda Carter, but they did. <laughs> Gal Gadot. And, and, I mean, as we like to say in the South, that girl ain't got no flies on her. I, I'll just put it that way. I, you, all right? Y'all can use that anytime you want to this week. It's a free gift coming. Um, and so I, I was like, you know, I knew they were making the movie or whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's kind of out of sight, out of mind. So I'm getting on a plane about four years ago to, to fly to Israel. And I walk by this woman in the, in the, you know, front part of the plane. And y'all know how I am on planes. I don't talk to people. So I just kind of, she looked up and, and I looked and I did one of those and she did one of those. And she had on a hat, and it looked like she was trying to be all incognito and everything. I thought, I mean, I was, I just didn't think anything. So I sat, went and sat in my seat and put my headphones on and zoned out the whole, whole flight. I got off the plane, and I, there were some people that met us, kind of helped us through customs. And when I got off the plane, um, th- their, their mouths were dropped open, and their eyes were this big, and they were like, Dude, Wonder Woman was on your plane. I thought they were messing with me. I was like, I know. Batman and Robin were the pilots, right? I was like, they were like, no, you idiot. That over there. And I looked at the one, the hat woman, the, the, and I was like, I was on a plane with Wonder Woman. I would have got a selfie. I would have been like, like, I would have walked up and went, hey, hey, click. And, but she would have beat me up, so that would have probably been bad. But I didn't recognize her. And I was on a plane with her. I've got a friend that had a 30-minute conversation with Carrie Underwood and didn't even know who she was. What's <laughs> even funnier is he was talking to her about his opinion of what music should sound like to Carrie Underwood. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you all who it was. Um, but you just don't understand who you're talking to. This is what's going on. Mary said, yeah, 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 he's going he's gonna to live again. Well, one day, I'm sure it's going to happen, and... and Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Like, I am life. Like, what you think doesn't exist, it actually does exist. And it exists in me. And it's not one day, it's today. One of the biggest things we got to get past in Christianity is we accept Christ, and then we're miserable, and then we die, and it all gets better. Jesus said, I came to give you abundant life. I came to give you abundant life right now. In other words, if we're saved and miserable, we're not doing something right. Because Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And then he said this, anyone. And in the Greek, anyone means anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Now watch this. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? That is a direct question. I can almost imagine Jesus making eye contact. Do you believe this, Martha? (sighs) Watch what she says. Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Did she answer the question? No, thank you, Senator Martha. Um, This is like what you would expect somebody to... She didn't answer the question. And I know what it's like to be in a tense situation. All of us have walked into situations. We ask a question. We don't want to answer it. We make something up, right? 
you remember back in, I think it was 2007, 2008, when John McCain and Barack Obama were running for office and talk about, listen, I don't talk politics. I just don't. In fact, um, on Facebook, I kicked um, a couple people off last week of my Facebook page. I can kick them off their my Facebook page because they started saying stuff about po- politics. I'm not even going to tell you what type of politics they were talking about because Facebook would just blow up and I got to I have to shut down everybody. Um, I don't talk about it because, number one, listen, listen, let me just kind of put my cards on the table. It's not the hope of the world. It's not the hope of the freaking world. Jesus is the hope of the world, all right? So I walked in, and, and there was, uh, I walked in to pick up a prescription, and there was this intense conversation going on about John McCain and Barack Obama, and they were going back and forth, and I'm kind of standing over to the side hoping, God, please don't let them see me. God, please don't let them see me. God, please don't let them see me. But God has a sense of humor and knew I needed a sermon illustration. So one of the guys turned around and goes, Pastor P. And I was like, hey. He goes, have you been listening to this? I was like, yeah, I kind of. He goes, who are you voting for? And it, it was like everybody stopped and looked at me. And I went, um, I'm going to pray and vote for the candidate I feel the most solid about. And I just walked out. And they're like, you didn't answer the question. I'm thinking, exactly, because you're not trapping me. And that's what's going on with Martha. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she goes, ah, I mean, I kind of believe you're like the Messiah, son of God who's come to the world from God. She didn't answer the question, but we can't get mad at her because if we're near a tomb and somebody that we love is in the tomb and Jesus is saying he can live again, none of us are thinking, yeah, right now, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go do it, let's go do it because she's lost faith. She's lost faith, but can you see Martha fighting to try to hang on to her faith? It it gets better. Then she returned to Mary. Something happened in Martha. We don't know what happened in Martha, but she returned to Mary. And the Bible says she called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him, went to Jesus. I'm, this right here, I'm so thankful for. It reminded me of something that happened this week at the Cheesecake Factory. Everything reminds me of food. I had some friends go to the Cheesecake Factory this week, and they start sending me pictures of cheesecake that they're eating at Cheesecake Factory. And I call that food porn. Um, and so they start sending food porn, right, because you're looking at it, but you can't have it. So, so I'm sitting there looking at and I'm, all these pictures, and then they finally texted me and said, what do you want? And I was like, all of it. But, but they, they brought me a piece of cheesecake from the Cheesecake Factory. And it was like, I'm not just going to tell you about it. I'm going to bring it to you. And I, it remind, I thought about that when I was reading through this text right here because it's so cool that Mary has this experience with Jesus. I mean, Martha has this experience with Jesus. Does she get her questions answered? Yes or no? No. Does Jesus make her a promise? Yes. Does she believe the promise? No. There's nothing really positive that happens in Martha's life when she encounters Jesus on the surface. But I believe beneath the surface, there was some kind of fire that was kindled during the connection that she was having with Jesus. And she said, I can't waste this moment on myself. I've got to go get my sister. And she goes back and she gets Mary and brings Mary to Jesus. 
And the reason I want to bring that up is because every single one of us in this room that has made any sort of spiritual progress in our life, we did so because somebody stepped into our lives and invited us to take our next step. Because listen to me, healing, healing does not take place apart from relationship. Nobody has ever grown themselves closer to God, and nobody has ever healed themselves. If we are going to grow in our relationship with Christ, and we're going to be healed in our relationship with Christ, it's going to take a Martha stepping into our lives going, you know what? I don't know what's going on. I know I'm hurting. I know you're hurting, but I know there's this man, and his name is Jesus, and if we just get in front of him, I'm not sure he knows how to solve the problem, but I know that when I'm in, when I'm in his presence, I really do experience a peace that passes all understanding. So Mary, come with me and let's hang out with Jesus. There's people here today, I want you to listen to me. You need healing because you're in pain. Healing does not take place apart from relationship. Healing does not take place apart from relationship. It doesn't. Every single one of us need to understand that. And, and I love the fact that Mary, our Martha, went and got Mary. Now watch what happens. Watch what happens because this is so, this is so insane. Um, Jesus stayed outside. Oh, no, let me go back. I got one more point. I was going to skip this, but I got to say this because this is so crazy. When I tell you that healing doesn't take place apart from relationship, I'm talking real relationship. I'm talking that people that you know and that people that know you. Because in the church world, we have made it to where we show up and we feel like we've got to be fake. And let me promise you something. Fake people never experience healing. Now, the reason we're fake is because we know if we're real, people are going to freak out. But I'm telling you, one of these days when I pass away, if I've got five people I can call my friends, that's going to be a win. Because I would rather be known and loved by five people than admired by thousands who I feel like i got to perform for. And if that's true for me, that's true for you as well. There are too many people in this room that allow other people on social media who have digital courage to define who you are. And they've said stuff about you and they said stuff to you and they don't know the battles you fought and they don't know the hell you've gone through and they don't know what you wake up and face every day. So why in the world would you let them define you needing to block them, ban them, put your phone down and get with a Mary or a Martha who will walk with you through the hell you're going through and take you to a place to meet a man named Jesus. And at the end of the day, I love it. Martha didn't have the answers. Martha didn't go back to Mary and say, I figured it all out. Because you know what I've discovered about people who want to fix you? People that want to fix you, if you don't do exactly what they tell you to do, they'll tell other people how broken you are. And when you do get healed, they can't handle your healing. So Martha, messed up and jacked up, goes and gets Mary and says, you know what, Mary, I don't have all the answers, but I think you need to come see Jesus. That's the other thing. In order to step into somebody's life and, and, and help out, we don't have to have all the answers because none of us do. Now, I love this because Jesus, the Bible says Jesus stayed outside the village at a place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, 
They assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep because people always think they know what we're doing. So they followed her there. Watch this. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet. Now, does anybody remember what Martha said to Jesus when she first saw him? Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Remember that? That's what she said. That's what Martha said. Now, here comes Mary. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Obviously, Martha and Mary had talked about this. They had arrived at the same conclusion. They were both ill, but don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this because there's something in this story that I've been reading for over 30 years now and I've never, ever seen. Mary, the Bible says, fell at his feet. That's a sign of trust and submission. She gets to Jesus. She falls on, she just falls down. But then, don't miss this, she's honest, she's vulnerable, she's real, and I think it takes us being vulnerable to set the foundation for a miracle. Let me say it again. I think it takes us being vulnerable to set up the foundation for a miracle because if we're not real, then we can't ask for what we really need. She she falls at his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been here. In other words, if you had done what I asked you to do, I could have escaped this pain. My brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people welling within her, a deep anger welled up within him. He was deeply troubled. Jesus got mad. Jesus got, huh? He was four days late. Why'd he get mad? I'm going to tell you all about it next week. The whole Jesus wept thing, Jesus didn't weep because he was sad. We're going to talk about why next week. It's, It's fascinating. But the Bible says in verse 34, this is Jesus. Where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Jesus said, where have you put him? Where have you put him? In other words, Jesus is basically saying, take me to the place where you lost your faith. Take me to the place where you lost your faith. Jesus didn't rebuke them for losing their faith. He just said, take me there. And so the walk away that I'm praying that everybody will get today is that you would hear the voice of God saying, take me to the place where you lost your faith and make the tag. Because you're fighting a battle, you don't need to fight. And I might not, I believe Jesus would say, I might not make things better immediately, but I'll take care of things eventually. I saw this with my own two eyes last week. It was, it was unbelievable. Uh, A little over a year ago, I got a phone call that um, no pastor ever, ever, ever wants to get. And it was um, to preach a memorial service for a baby that had lived about a day. And I was, what what do you say? All the typical Christian phrases, like all of them left, I I just, I remember standing and crying with that couple and telling them, I'm sorry 
This is so messed up. I don't understand. I'm freaking devastated. I, it was just horrible. But I remember saying that day, and I said, listen, I, I just, I just want to say one thing. And I looked, at the, I looked at the husband and the wife and I said, I think one day you're going to hold life. And I don't know why, I just feel like I need to tell you, I think that one day you're going to hold life. And I know that doesn't feel good right now. And I know it's hard to believe that promise right now, but I think that one day you're going to hold life. And I was just, I've been believing that for him and praying that for him. Um, they, they were here last week with their two-week-old baby and and I saw the joy in each one of them did it did it did it take the pain away from what happened over a year ago no it didn't take the pain away but it was proof that in spite of the pain we can still have hope and we can still have joy if we're just willing to make the tag. With that in mind, can we stand for closing prayer? Father, I want to thank you, Jesus, for every single person here. God, I know that there are those of us wrestling with things, Jesus, that we never in a million years thought we would wrestle with. Right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, and if that's you, let me, let me just let me just give you a simple prayer that you can offer to the Lord. Just say right now in your heart, Jesus, you take it. Amen. Jesus, you take it. Maybe you're here today and listen, you, you, I hope you heard my heart on this. Healing does not take place by yourself. It takes place in the context of a relationship. And one of the reasons we started Second Chance is so that you, no matter how messed up you may think you are, this is a safe place to say, I'm hurting and I need help. We have a group of volunteers that are on our care team and every single week they pray with people or they pray for people. And if you're here today and you need someone to pray with you, or for you about what you're wrestling with. And right now, I just want you to step out of your aisle and walk out the back doors. We have four exits in the back and you can, you can go right now because we have people that that's why they're here. That's why they came to church today is to pray with you or for you. Because listen, you can't, you can't heal if you don't admit that you're hurt. So you go right now. There are people here today that you just need to make the tag and ask Jesus to come into your life. You've never asked Jesus into your heart. And so if you're here today and maybe you realize for the first time you need to ask Jesus into your life, I want you to right where you are, right where you're standing, just to pray in your heart and just say, Jesus Christ, come into my life and take over right now. I surrender everything to you. Show me how to live for you the rest of my life, the best I know how. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed to receive Christ, if you just prayed, if you just prayed that prayer, 
Would you do me a favor and just put your hand in the air right now and just put it up real high and then you can put it right back down. But I just want to see the hands. If you're online, you can put up your hand online. If you was real high, awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Father, thank you so much for these hands that have gone up. I pray, Jesus, that you would fill each person with encouragement and God and hope. And Father, for those of us that really feel like we're in the middle of the ring wrestling, may we have the courage, Jesus, today to make the tag. Make the tag and trust you with what we feel like we're fighting through. We love you, Jesus. We ask all this in your name and everybody that agreed said, amen. Hey, when you're leaving, if you're a first-timer, don't forget to stop by our first-timer's tent. We'd love to hang out with you. God bless. See y'all next Sunday.